Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. This is Aaron Salvato. I'm so glad to be talking into a microphone at you tonight. Man, it's it's been a while. The last month has been absolutely insane. I have been assisting Calvary Global Network, CGN, with their International Pastors Conference. And oh my gosh, it was so much work. I had the awesome opportunity to work with a really killer team at CGN putting this conference together. And it was an incredible experience, a hard experience, but thankfully it went well. We were super nervous because we had about 400 people attending, but it was an online conference and we were afraid that, well, we just didn't know because we had never done it before. How do you do an online conference? You know, it was our first time doing it and I am pleased to report it was a smashing success. People were blessed. There were a few technical difficulties, but we were able to overcome. So excited about that, happy about that and happy to start podcasting again. Yeah, I am here to tell you guys who are fans of this show that if all goes well, there will be a lot more content coming your way soon. Huge answer to prayer. Both Brian Higgins and myself have found work in this crazy season of COVID. That's been a huge burden on both of us, just trying to find income. I'd been working for CGN part-time while trying to run a business on the side, but things have been tough lately because no one really wants to hire a web designer during COVID. And Brian had moved from California to New Jersey, and so he did not have a job at all. He was searching, and I'm pleased to report, I learned today he's got a job. It's a good one. And the amazing thing is it's a job that actually allows him to keep his Friday late afternoons open, which is the time that Brian and I usually record. So man, I don't know if that's a God thing, but that that's pretty cool. And as for me, the biggest prayer that I've had is that God would provide some part-time jobs for me that would allow me to do some work consistently for clients in the beginning of the week, which would allow me to take the middle and later half of my week to devote it to doing work for Calvary Global Network and Good Lion. And uh, thankfully, it looks like that is the direction things are going for me. So I'm really excited. And Brian and I are scheduling times to record in September. And I've also been able to book some times to record with some really solid guys in the CGN network, guys like Joel Turner and Dominic Doan, Benjamin Morrison, Phil Metzger. I'm super excited to get some more guests on this show and uh, get some great content out to you guys soon. So with that said, I am about to go on vacation next week, but because it's been a while since we put out any episodes, I just was like, ah, I can't go on vacation without putting something out for the listeners and letting them know what's going on with us and given some praise reports. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. Basically, I'll intro it this way. With all of the craziness going on in the world right now, I've seen so much division, so much hatred, so much animosity between people, especially with it being, you know, an election year on top of COVID, on top of all the racial tension going on in our nation. It's just been a very divisive time. And One thing I've seen is that one of the biggest ways we can be divisive is online. If you look through Instagram or Facebook or really any social media, you're going to see a lot of divisive content and a lot of people just buying into this mentality of, I have to fight everybody in the comments. I have to battle it out with 
every single person I encounter. And unfortunately, this mentality trickles into the church, and I've just seen it tear friendships apart, families apart, and just people apart. And so that's an issue that's been on my heart for years and years and years. It's always been something that's troubled me, and I've struggled with it myself, to be honest. And I took a long walk a few weeks ago and wrote some content that specifically addresses how to be a peacemaker in the middle of this cultural moment, and especially in online spaces. Think of this as a very short audiobook called The Way of the Peacemaker. And maybe I'll create more content on this at some point. Maybe it'll just be this standalone piece. This content actually originally was something I shot as a video series that I'm actually going to be releasing on my Instagram soon. But for those of you guys who listen, you're going to hear it before anyone else. Instead of releasing it in four separate episodes, I've just put it all into one big episode for you to listen to. So I hope this blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I'm so excited to get back to podcasting and reaching those of you guys who listen. I'm so blessed that you guys listen. I'm so thankful that you listen. If you'd like to support the work that Brian and I do with the Good Lion Podcast and the work that we do with just the broader Good Lion Podcast network, you can go to our website, goodlion.io forward slash support. Thanks for listening. And with that, here is the way of the peacemaker. We need to protect the people we disagree with. Here's what I mean. When you're in a conversation with people that involves truth or morality or theology, a lot of us have been conditioned to think that what we must defend at the highest level is truth. And I agree that we should defend truth against all lies. But there's another party in these encounters that needs protection, and that's the person who believes the lie. Let me repeat that. It's not just the truth that needs defending. It's the person who believes the lie. I'll give an example. So a few years ago, I was on Facebook and I posted something about Christianity. I don't remember what it was, but there was an old friend of mine from back when I was a teenager and she left a reply. And basically in her reply, she started tearing into Christianity, talking about hypocrisy in the church, the moral failure of leaders, things like religious ostracization of the gay community, just all sorts of great stuff. Now I read her response and my heart totally broke for this person because I knew this was somebody who had grown up in the church but never had really committed their life to Jesus and then just had these terrible experiences with the church that pushed her away from the way of Jesus and into this space of just criticism of the church and hopelessness and feeling like, man, all Christians are probably like the ones that mistreated me. This is a really common occurrence. I've seen so many people who are burned out on the church because of bad experiences. And honestly, like my heart breaks for those people. And I think Jesus's heart breaks too. These people are vulnerable. They're in this place where they are so open to the enemy's attacks. And what they desperately need is Jesus to truly reveal himself to them and show them what he's all about. Now, I was getting ready to reply to my friend when another friend of mine showed up in the comments. And basically my friend started just attacking this girl. And in his attack, this was sort of his mindset. How dare you, you liberal lunatic, 
How dare you criticize Christianity when you can't even handle your own postmodern, rebellious, double-minded problems? Shame on you. How dare you? You're an idiot. If you just took two seconds and thought critically, you'd understand why your entire mentality is ridiculous and horrible and leftist and secular and godless. Really, you should be falling on your knees and repenting right now or you're going to face the hellfire of destruction. Beware, you sinner. And all this great stuff. Now, some of you guys might listen to his response and maybe in your head you're applauding it. But listen, this is not generally how Jesus interacts with the lost sheep. Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one who's lost. I think for my friend, in his mind, he was defending truth. But the way that he was defending truth was actually in denial of one of the greatest truths of all time, which is the heart that Jesus has, the heart of compassion and mercy and love for sinners. Again, remember, Paul says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. People aren't our enemy. They're victims of the true enemy. So what we had was like this situation of all truth and no love. Listen, if your tendency is to defend truth, but you find yourself attacking people in the process, I would suggest instead of defending truth alone, we must defend truth while also defending the vulnerable. Who's, who's the vulnerable? It's the person who is bought into the lies of the enemy. I actually reached out to my friend and messaged him on Facebook and I said, you know, I've known this girl for years. She grew up in the church and now she's really struggling. She's been attacked by the enemy, dragged down by his lies. And I was really hoping to have this open and honest and compassionate discussion with her about some of the things that she brought up. A conversation filled with nuance and give and take, but ultimately pointing to the truth of the gospel and to the fact that even though some of our leaders in Christianity have failed, we follow the true leader who never fails and that's Jesus. I was really hoping to have that conversation with her. But because of your reaction to what she said, you drove her away. Now she doesn't want to talk to you or me. Because you're so concerned with defending the truth, you forgot to defend the person who's believing the lie. I'll say it again. So often we can be so concerned with defending the truth that we forget to defend the people who believe the lies. We need to defend the vulnerable, the person buying into the lie of the enemy. And by defend them, I don't mean affirm their lies that they believe, but I mean treating them with the utmost love and compassion and understanding that just as they're a sinner in need of a savior, we too once were sinners in need of savior. We need to understand that people are under the attack of Satan. They're being deceived. They're buying into all sorts of lies. They're looking at the reality, the true reality, that there are many who call themselves Christians doing all sorts of terrible, unjust things in the world, things that aren't right. And they're looking at Christians who have a bad witness or people who aren't even really Christians, but just call themselves Christians. And they're saying, this is who God is. This is what the church looks like. And I don't want to be any part of it. That is a person who is under oppression from the enemy. The enemy has them right where he wants them and he is deceiving them and lying to them. And listen, that's a person that needs to be defended. We need to come alongside them, not attack them. We need to not attack them, but attack the enemy who is attacking them. We need to take great care and have great compassion as we fight off the worldly ideologies and mindsets that are swarming around them. And that takes time and commitment and compassion and empathy and willingness to give and take in the conversation. So if we just rush in and respond to these kind of comments and whip out our sword of truth and start chucking Bible verses at people, you know, people who don't even really understand what the Bible verses mean in context, that's going to get us nowhere. 
we need to be willing to stoop down to their level. And that's not demeaning them and saying, oh, these idiots, let's stoop down to their level. It's just understanding that if what we Christians believe is true, it means that these people are being oppressed by the true enemy of their souls who wants to kill and steal and destroy. And so knowing that we have a heart of compassion, we stoop down to their level and we see where they're coming from and we listen to their pain. We let them know that we understand where they're coming from. If you want to help somebody out of a dark cave, then you have to be willing to venture down into the depths of that dark cave with them and pull them out. Does that make sense? So often what we do is when somebody's fallen into a dark cave of postmodernism, post-Christianism, skepticism, doubt, what we do is instead of going down into the depths of that cave to help pull them out, we just start throwing stones at them. And before we know it, we've thrown so many stones that we've confirmed in their mind all of the negative stereotypes and beliefs about Christians that they have. And before we know it, all of those stones that we're throwing start to pile up and eventually the cave, the entrance to that cave is sealed off. Do you understand what I'm saying? So often we can be the ones who help seal them in that cave because instead of helping pulling them out, we're throwing stones at them and watching them pile up at that entrance. Church, we need to wake up to the reality that we do this. We have to have compassion. We have to defend the vulnerable. Consider Jesus. He was known as the friend of sinners, the friend of prostitutes and tax collectors. Do we really think he got that label of friendship because he was somebody who was constantly trying to own the tax collectors and prostitutes and educate them about the horrible worldviews and ideologies they held? No, he was the God who ventured into humanity. He went down into the depths of that dark cave and one by one pulled people up out of it, exposing them to the light through compassion. Never compromise, but always compassion. It's totally doable, and Jesus gave us the model for how to do this. The people who Jesus seems to speak strongly against the most were religious leaders because he thought they should have known better. They were called to be a kingdom of priests. A priest is somebody who stands between God and man and helps bridge the gap. That's why Jesus is our ultimate high priest. But as Christians, we're called to be a kingdom of priests, to stand in the gap, to help show people the God who desperately loves them and their need for that God. Jesus says this to the Pharisees, Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites that you are. You travel over land and sea to make one convert, but when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Those are such intense words from Jesus. Words that I never want to be guilty of because just like all Christians, I have the potential to be a Pharisee and I know that and it scares the heck out of me. He's saying to the Pharisees, you travel across the land and sea to make these converts. You try so hard to convert people, but then you make them twice a son of hell as you yourself are. Because for the Pharisees, they were focusing only on what they believed was truth, but not on compassion, not on love for the lost. So they would get these converts, but they would bring them into a society of legalists who only cared about being right, but they didn't care about being righteous, which means being in right relationship with God and with others. Many of you guys have probably seen this. The new believer who was brought into the faith, but because they were brought in under the threat of fire and brimstone, they quickly become a legalist. We need to invite people into more than a religious system. We invite people into a relationship with the God who loved them so much he was not willing to live without them. 
the God who died for them on the cross. The God who not only died for their sins, but died so that they could be friends with him. So remember, people aren't the enemy. They're victims of the true enemy. Don't just defend truth, but defend the truth of God's love for others. Defend the vulnerable who are under attack from the enemy. I truly hope that as you try to navigate this postmodern, post-Christian world, that we can be a people of peace, fighting to win lost souls and furthering the work of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. you guys have ever been in this situation? You're on Facebook or Instagram and your aunt or uncle or friend posts something that is slightly political or theological or whatever. And then all of a sudden out of the woodwork comes somebody who very strongly disagrees with what your relative or friend has posted. And they start going off. They start unloading in the comments. And you feel this pull. You're like, I know I shouldn't, but I've got to get in there and defend my family's digital honor. And the next thing you know, you're in an internet comment war. So here's what happens. If you've ever been in an internet comment war, there's a few things that you'll know from experience. One, people don't back down. And two, people never admit they're wrong. You know how many times I've been in an internet comment war and I've seen one person present new factual information to another person that's contradicting their preconceived notions? Probably millions of times. You know how many times I've been in an internet comment war and I've seen someone present new factual information that contradicts someone's preconceived notions and I've seen that person in that comment go, you know what? I've never thought about that before. That's new information. I'm going to consider this. Thank you for presenting me with new information probably close to zero. The reason we have for this is people in today's day and age, they're committed to defending their digital honor. We live in a time period where everybody can take their opinion and put it online. It's literally why you're watching this video right now. I'm a part of the problem. <laughs> the problem is when people put their opinion online and they start to get likes and comments from people who are in the echo chamber and think exactly like them, it starts to build this idea of a digital brand for ourselves. And we start to think, yeah, I'm smart. I understand stuff. That's why people come to my posts and like them because I've got it all figured out. But then when somebody comments on our post with a different view and all of the people who liked and commented are watching how we're going to react, what happens is our digital honor is at stake. Because if we back down and admit that we're wrong, it's going to give all of those people less incentive to keep liking and following what we have to say. And so we dig in our heads and we say, I won't back down. This is counterproductive to basic conversation, learning, and really the way of Jesus. So let me give you a couple peacemaking strategies for this. Two things. One, have some humility. Don't position yourself to be the expert on things. Position yourself to be a learner, inviting other people to come learn alongside you. One of my mentors once said, always hope that you're 80% right but always consider that you're probably 20% wrong. That's just, that's so good. Have a posture of humility. If you say something online and you get it wrong and somebody in the comments tries to show you that you're wrong, if you refuse to look at their data, to look at their information and consider it, there's no humility there and there's no peacemaking there. 
You're just furthering the divide. Instead, look at what they have to say, consider it, and if you see any truth to what they're saying, acknowledge it publicly and show some humility. Say, man, wow, thank you for pointing that out. This is helping me see things from a wider perspective. I mean, even if you have to go and edit your original post to reflect the new information that you've been presented with, that, that's a sign of growing. Now here's another peacemaking technique, and this one's my favorite. It's the power of the private message. So let's say you're fighting in the great internet comment wars of 2020, and you're on somebody else's post, and you see somebody who just has views that concern you. And you think, man, wow, I, I love this person. Maybe it's someone you know. You think, I love this person, and I hate to see them heading in this wrong direction. Maybe you think their thoughts are harmful, whether it be on the topic of racism or politics or theology or whatever. Instead of hitting reply to their comment and trying to correct them or own them, which I mean, like, what is that going to do? That's going to get them defensive. They're going to start defending their digital honor. They're not even going to consider what you have to say because they don't want everyone around them to see that they lost the internet debate. So they're going to fight back. So instead, reach out to them and send them a private message. Slide into the DMs <laughs> and say this. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> When we were chatting, I saw what you were saying in the comments of this post. And, you know, I don't know if you have a second, but I'd love to chat with you about it. Then go into that conversation with a heart posture that wants them to know that you want to know about what they think. Ask them questions and give them space to answer. Another one of my mentors pointed this out to me. He pointed out how important it is that we judge people based on how they define their beliefs, not on how we define their beliefs. Here's what I mean. If you've only casually observed someone and what they've said, you're probably judging them based not on actually what their beliefs are, but what you think their beliefs are. And you're gonna be judging them quite often by the most extremely negative idea of what their beliefs are because you don't have the full picture. So instead, ask them questions and learn directly from the horse's mouth what they believe. Go into these conversations thinking, all right, I'm probably 80% right, but I could be 20% wrong. Be willing to learn from them. Be willing to gain perspective from them, even if you don't agree. Be willing to at least get some deeper insight into what the other side thinks. When you're in this sort of private message environment, you're going to see walls come down, especially if you're not passive aggressive or sarcastic, but if you're kind and generous, if you're willing to have a dialogue. Because the thing is, in a private message, your goal should not be to own the person who disagrees with you or to destroy them with facts and logic. No, your goal should be to gain perspective and then give perspective. And once you've given someone the opportunity to give you their perspective in an environment where they don't feel like they need to defend their digital honor, the walls very often come down. And now they'll be willing to receive your perspective and consider it. And as you give your perspective, have a humble heart. Don't be thinking, ha ha, they fell from my trap. Now I'm going to give them the truth and the truth shall destroy them. No. Humbly offer them your perspective and then trust that if your perspective is correct, the Holy Spirit has the power to convict that person of the truth. I mean, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And our goal as Christians should be to create environments where people's walls and defenses come down and they are more open to receiving what the Spirit would say. And if we walk into those private encounters with this heart of like, man, Holy Spirit, just as I want you to reveal the truth to them, Holy Spirit, please show me what to say. Please reveal truth to me. 
Please show me my blind spots. Maybe there's perspective I haven't considered. Lord, I know that you could even use this non-Christian person. You could speak through them. Something they say could then cause you, the spirit, to reach into my heart and open the door of my heart and let down my wall of defenses. To have this heart of, man, I can not only impart what I believe is true to this person, but I can learn from them. What the world needs more than anything right now is the gospel. It's the gospel. The world needs the story and the life and the message and the heart and the ethics of Jesus Christ to reach them and to change them fundamentally. I truly believe that the internet is an extremely incredible avenue for evangelism. We have access to so many people, but quite often the perception that non-believers have of Christians when it comes to how we present ourselves online is that Christians are defensive, argumentative, condescending, judgmental, and that we're obsessed with being right. When I scroll through Facebook, I see a lot of truth to that statement. I don't often see Christians engaging in digital evangelism. I see Christians trying to defend their opinions and their beliefs, often not even theological beliefs, but just political beliefs or social beliefs or whatever. I see a lot of fighting in the comments, a lot of trying to prove to people with different ideologies and worldviews that they're stupid and ridiculous and then a lot of other Christians coming in and backing up that comment and saying yeah you you tell them you tell them but is that what we're called to I'm praying that our witness when it comes to the internet will change and that the world will see us as a group of people that are compassionate and considerate and who are fiercely dedicated to what we believe is the truth but fiercely dedicated to communicating that truth in the most crazily loving way ever. I believe that we can do that. I believe we can get there. And that's what I'm praying for. And so I'm inviting you who are watching this video to consider the way of peacemaking, to consider taking up the ministry of peacemaking and becoming somebody who fights not just for truth, but fights for peace as well. So as you're trying to be a peacemaker, it's important to remember to watch what you consume. Watch what kind of media is coming into your mind because it's going to affect your heart and how you perceive other people that you're supposed to be making peace with. In this current cultural moment, it's sort of an ideological war going on all the time. If you're like me and you're on YouTube or Instagram, you'll see a lot of posts and videos being shared that usually have titles like Ben Shapiro destroys smug socialist student or Candace Owens explodes on white liberal professor or Steven Crowder owns social justice warriors. So the thing about that kind of media is it's going to affect how you perceive people. It's going to affect your attitude towards people. I'm not saying you can't watch this kind of content to try to gain perspective on different debates and arguments on different ideologies in the world. But when this kind of content is our main source of how we're viewing these different debates in the world, our heart starts to sync up with the attitude of this kind of content, which is all about destroying somebody else's worldview and owning them in a debate. And what happens is we become exposed to the most outrageous versions of the other side's way of thinking. So we start to see 
people who have ideologies and views that are different than us as these people are crazy, these people are immoral, they're deranged, they're bad for our society. Our heart becomes predispositioned to not just hate their ideologies, but to hate them and to see them as the problem. And so if anyone from that side criticizes your side, because you've already had a predisposition to think that they're crazy, you're not going to listen to any criticism of your own side, even if it's valid criticism backed up with factual evidence, which a lot of times is going to cause you to do the same thing that you're frustrated at the other side for doing. We have to remember that everybody has an agenda. Everybody, even me making this video, I, I have a purpose and a reason for why I'm making it. Everybody has an agenda that doesn't necessarily make the word agenda good or bad, but agendas can be good or bad. And so I want to encourage you as you're scrolling through social media, you're going to see all types of content that has a left agenda, a right agenda, agendas in between, agendas about power, agendas about money, agendas about control. And as you're sifting through all of this different type of content, I want to really encourage you, find and fill your heart and mind with influences who have the agenda of the kingdom of God, the agenda of peacemaking, the agenda of truth and love for those who do not have the truth. Paul says this in Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. People that we disagree with are not our enemy. They're just victims of the true enemy. And so our goal shouldn't be to destroy or obliterate people we disagree with. It should be to lovingly reason with them in hopes that they will see the truth. And with full understanding that most of them won't. That's really the hard life of being a Christian. The Bible says that the road is narrow. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. We have to go into these situations knowing that not everybody is going to sync up with what we believe. In fact, most people aren't going to sync up with what we believe. And we can have this separatist mindset where it's like, oh man, they're the world, they're the bad people, we're the good people, we're the Christians. I can't believe that worldly people are doing worldly things. Listen, instead of getting bent out of shape on why doesn't everyone in the world see things exactly the way that I do, which is something that I can be super guilty of if I'm honest, instead, be like Jesus and continue to show the world a different way of living a different way of being human, with the understanding that most will reject this way, but also with the understanding that a very small few will catch onto it and follow in the way of Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's the goal. These are the stakes. There are people out there that need to hear the truth, and they're probably not going to receive that truth from us if we're intent, if our attitude and our heart posture is, I must destroy and obliterate this person's worldview. Instead, Jesus is calling us to participate in what he's doing, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the kindness that leads to repentance, the love that says to somebody, I'm going to be willing to listen to your worldview, to take the time to hear you out and see you as a human, to see you as a fellow human being made in the image of God. I'm going to take the time to give you my attention, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide me through these conversations and to use me 
to speak his truth in a way that loosens the chains of bondage that these worldly ideologies have over you. That's what peacemaking is all about, and that's what the way of Jesus is about. comes to peacemaking, be open to someone else's perspective. So most of us currently live in echo chambers. We've blocked or muted everyone that we disagree with. We follow accounts and we're a part of Facebook groups that are specifically tailored to us and filled with people who believe exactly the same things that we do. And the message that they reinforce with us is clear. We have it right. They have it wrong. We are smart. They are stupid. So this is our battle plan and strategy. This is how we prep for engaging in the culture war. So once you get into a situation where you start talking to somebody with a different point of view, your mindset is going to be, this person is so stupid. I can't believe that they think this way. I cannot believe that they're so uninformed and so uneducated. And when they try to reason with you... You're going to be ignoring everything that they're saying, and you're just going to be thinking about what you're going to say next so you can try to dismantle their worldview. Just stop for a moment and think, how does this feel when people do it to you? How does it feel when you show up to a conversation and you can tell that the person that you're talking to is not even going to consider your point of view? They've dismissed it before you even showed up to the debate. They've already made up their mind about you and people who think like you. Do you feel like it's worth your time talking to that person? Do you feel like any progress is going to be made? Probably not. It's just going to turn into a shouting match. But let me ask you this. How do you feel when someone that you fundamentally disagree with sits down with you? And as you're talking, you can tell that they're listening. You can tell that they're considering your point of view. You can tell that they're trying to see the world through your eyes. Maybe they don't agree with you, but they're making an effort to put themselves in your shoes. Think about what that feels like when somebody responds and says, you know, I understand. I actually can understand why you think the way that you do. I can actually see why you hold these beliefs. And even though I actually don't agree, I don't come to the same conclusions as you. I don't think you're stupid and I respect you. How does that feel? I mean, that that feels amazing. That makes me so much more open to hearing what the other person has to say because I feel like they're seeing me as a human being, someone with value and dignity. I'm going to be way more likely into hearing what they have to say because I'm not seeing them as an enemy. I'm seeing them as my fellow human being made in the image of God, a human being who I have some fundamental disagreements with, but somebody who's worthy of my time. So just for a second, I want to talk to all of the conservative Christians because that's the tribe that I come from. There's those of you guys listening. You might be theologically conservative like me. You might be politically conservative. Here's what I want to run by you. The Bible tells us to go into all the world and make disciples, preach the gospel. That means that we are called to be witnesses to everyone in the whole world. Now, most of us aren't going to go and live in other countries. We're going to be right here in America. The question is, who is here in America? Well, if we stereotypically divide the people, it's going to be uh, conservatives and liberals, right? Sure, there's some people in between that, but for the most part, the country is filled with conservatives and liberals. Now, here's the thing. If we're on a steady diet of Fox News, conservative political pundits who spend 
quite often the majority of their time criticizing and attacking the most extreme versions of left-wing ideologies and beliefs. And also criticizing not just the beliefs and ideologies, but the people as well. Well, in a lot of cases, if that's your steady diet, if that's your steady intake that shapes how you view those people, a lot of times it produces this disdain and hatred for people on the left. And I've I've seen this. I've literally read Facebook comments from my conservative friends who say, man, I hate liberals. We should just ship them all off to an island and drop a bomb on it. And the country would be so much better, right? I've, I've heard these things. You've probably heard these things and read these things as well. Maybe you've thought these things. Here's the thing I'm asking. If we're called to go into the world and make disciples and be a light, how are we going to do that if we have disdain and hatred for half the people in the place that we're called to be missionaries? How on earth are we going to be a witness to them? How are we going to share the gospel with people that we've completely written off and with people that we hate? When you encounter that person at a family gathering or on the street and they start talking to you about their liberal opinions, how are you going to break through and reach them with the gospel if the only way that you think about them is that is my enemy? If the only way you think about them is that is somebody who is responsible for the destruction of our country. The short answer is you're not going to be able to reach them. You're just going to get into a debate and it's going to turn into a shouting match. And you're going to walk away self-righteously thinking like the Pharisee did with the tax collector. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like him. I thank you that I'm not like her. Ignoring the planks in our own eyes and instead just focusing on the specks in others' eyes. We do this. We walk away from these conversations thinking, man, I'm sure glad I'm not like that person. But we're missing actually who Jesus is calling us to actually be. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus calls us to a different way, the way of peacemaking. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's all about heart posture. We have to prepare our hearts in advance for when we end up encountering people with different beliefs. And if you're listening to this and you're more of a liberal person, I would say the same thing to you. If you're a Christian and you consider yourself a little bit more liberal, how are you going to reach anybody who calls themselves a conservative if you preemptively think that they're the worst thing ever and part of a group that's responsible for the destruction of our country? which is traditionally how these two views tend to view one another. We have to be willing to see people as more than their ideologies. We have to remember that for all of us, we were lost in our own negative ideologies, in our own corrupt worldviews. When Jesus came to us and bridged the gap between God and man as he died on the cross for us, we have to be open to somebody else's perspective. That doesn't mean we compromise what we believe but it means that we're willing to hear somebody out and treat them as human. No matter how much we might be opposed to their way of thinking and their ideology, we have to show them the common grace and common courtesy of seeing the image of God in them and being willing to, to be open to hearing them out. Remember, it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. I've had several friends who are skeptics and atheists say to me, Aaron, Thank you for talking to me. You're one of the only Christians that I know who treats me like a human being and not like some horrible, disgusting sinner. Thank you for being willing to listen and hear me out. When my friends have said this to me, it doesn't fill me at all with any sense of pride. 
it actually fills me with horror. Um, I, I have no pride in that statement that I'm the one Christian that they know who treats them like a human. The reason that horrifies me is that every atheist and skeptic and non-believer out there should know several Christians that treat them like humans. They should know several Christians that give them the benefit of the doubt and that show them kindness and openness. And even though I can think of a few times that people have said this to me, I'm ashamed to admit that there are many more times I can remember where I personally fell short in this area. I want to work really hard to encourage all of us to grow in this. This is an area I feel uniquely called to, the ministry of peacemaking, but I'm calling you listening into it. We're called to this. As people of the gospel, we hold the truth, we wield truth, we defend truth, we stand up for truth, but we do it in love. The Bible says without love, we're just like a noisy, clanging symbol. So be open to the perspective of others. Be open to hearing other people out. Be open to listening and learning from others. And then watch as God uses you, as the Holy Spirit guides you and directs you to spread his truth to those who desperately need to hear it.